You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. You know, these seven days are considered uh, as Passion Week, uh, Holy Week, different names for it. But, but there's this, this phrase that's used, the Passion Week, the Passion of Christ. Where Jesus is welcomed with celebration, then less than a week later, a crowd boiling with anger cry, crucify him. What's fascinating as I was studying for the Sunday, there are 89 chapters in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 30 of those chapters are devoted to this one week. So of all of Jesus' life and ministry, a third is devoted to this one week that is considered the week of passion, the Passion Week. I'm going to give you a snapshot of what that looks like because there are some stories in here. If you've even walked with Jesus for many years, you'll you'll say, I know that story, but I didn't know it was in that week. I want you to see what is taking place. I want want you to see the passion that is rising in Jesus as he is approaching the cross because there is something shifting even in Jesus. The one who, who is, is calm, can calm the storm, but there is something stirring in him as he is embracing what is about to come. On Sunday, Jesus arrives in Jerusalem. The crowds welcome him with cries of Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. On Monday, Jesus, as he's walking, he curses a fig tree because it wasn't producing fruit. They then enter the temple and Jesus sees the money changes, basically taking money in a place that should have been for worship. He flips the table, he takes out a whip and starts whipping these people out of the crowd. That's some passion right there. And he says, my house will be a house of prayer, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. There was a passion stirring in Jesus. On Tuesday, Jesus takes the disciples to the Mount of Olives. And on the way, they see the fig tree that Jesus cursed, and it's dead. It's withered. It's gone. There is is nothing left. Jesus talks about faith and the importance of living a life of faith. Back at the temple, the authorities, the taking exception to Jesus, speaking of his own spiritual authority. He speaks about who he is, and the the, the religious leaders don't like that about him. And so Jesus calls them some kind words, blind guides, whitewashed tombs. You look the part, but you're snakes, you're sons of vipers. Can you feel the passion starting to rise in Jesus? A roller coaster ride of faith. And that afternoon, Jesus, he takes the disciples back to the Mount of Olives. He shares an elaborate prophecy of who he is and and what's still to come and the second coming of Christ. And he shares just, just about what is still to come, the second coming and this judgment. On Wednesday, it would appear that Jesus did rest. He did take some time. We, we don't see any um, reference to any of his activity. Quite possibly, uh, we understand he could have been with Mary, Martha, and, um, and uh, Lazarus and Bethany. But then comes Thursday, and ministry with Jesus for the disciples takes a bit of a turn. Because up until this stage, Jesus was still talking about what's to come. And so Jesus, it starts well because the disciples are, are all sent out to do different parts in order to prepare a Passover meal. A Passover meal that was a a wonderful, exciting celebration for a Jewish group of people to gather and and to have Jesus there and to to have, have the Passover. So it's all happening as normal. 
And then Jesus drops the bomb. Jesus reveals that this will be the last time I eat this meal with you until its meaning is fulfilled in the establishment of the kingdom. Now, remember, these are these men and, and, and others that have been, have been walking with him, walking in relationship with him. And now he's saying, this is it. This is the last time we're going to do this in this context. Now, that would have brought fear. The anxious thought. It's like, hold on. This isn't what we thought. Even the disciples didn't know what was to come. As a prophesied Passover lamb, Jesus was about to be led to slaughter, as prophesied in Isaiah. So they share communion together. And at this point, Jesus reveals that Judas, one of the 12 disciples, is going to betray him. Judas leaves the building. He goes to do what he needs to do. Following dinner, they, they sing a psalm. They leave the upper room. And they walk to the Garden of Gethsemane. There, Jesus asks his disciples, he says, will you just wait? Will you wait and pray? Will you intercede on my behalf because I'm about to go do some business with my father? Three times he goes back and the Bible says that he sweated drops of blood. The anguish was so strong and deep in his, in his world that, that, that his physical body responded. And he'd come back and the disciples were having a moy, having a sleep. They were tired. Couldn't stay awake. Can you not just stay awake for one hour and pray with me? Again, the passion that's, that's in Jesus. They didn't know what was coming. They really didn't understand. And yet he did. Then Judas arrives, betrays Jesus. A little bit of passion from one of the disciples as they slice off the ear of one of the security guards. Jesus takes the ear, puts it back. Oh, man, I would have loved to have seen that one. Just click it back in place like a Lego piece. I don't know. And then one by one, the disciples begin to fall away. And there's Peter lurking around in the courtyard. He's there waiting, waiting to see what happens. And then Thursday spills into Friday. As this court case starts to, to unravel and it's very clear that Jesus is about to be crucified. And just before the rooster crows for the third time, Peter finally says, I don't know this man. I swear. And Jesus is now alone, facing crucifixion. A crowd that welcomed them in. Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, is now crying, crucify him. What a difference a week can make, right? What a week. And we're going to finish that week next week. But this is what we're leading up to. This is what the disciples walked through. This is what Jesus experienced called a passion week. Have you ever found your relationship with someone can change based on the information you know about them or you think you know? So you think they're a good friend, then you hear something about them, and now they're not such a good friend. I had an example of this when uh, we were 30, I was 30 years old, Amy. Uh, 28, 29, uh, we, took, we had the opportunity to lead our first church down in, in Tauranga. And prior to us arriving, the, the pastor said, let me tell you about a few people and kind of gave me this information about this particular couple. Um, he just just raved about this guy who's his fishing buddy, just, just 
awesome man, awesome, just, just be careful about his wife, he told me. And so, so I had this information in my head and in my heart as I had my first conversation with her. And, and, and to my shame, I, I treated her so badly. I was rude, I was dismissive. I thought I knew something about her to the point like she, she just ran out of the room in tears. I'm going, oh no, what have I done? And as it turned out, I, well, I went back and I said, I'm so sorry. I made a judgment on you that I had no right to do. Please forgive me. Over the coming weeks and months, I found out that the exact opposite was true about that couple. See, what I thought I knew wasn't actually true. You know, the people of Israel, they thought they knew who Jesus was. They had an understanding in their mind as to what the king would look like. They've got the evidence. They've seen the miracles. They've seen, maybe they even sat in the crowd. Imagine eating some of that bread and the, and the fish that was divided and multiplied. Maybe they'd even eaten that miraculous food. Maybe they'd been a part of it. Maybe they'd even received the miracle themselves. And, and there they were in, in, in this, this experience with Jesus, and they think that he's going to be this king that's going to ride in, not, next time not on a donkey, but on a, on a horse and maybe even a chariot and an army that would free the people from the captivity of the Romans. This, this declaration, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, is actually a direct quote from Psalm 118. Now, the verse beforehand says, please, Lord, please save us. Please, Lord, please give us success. That psalm was speaking of the victories that the Israelite people had been receiving from God. So it was like a historical looking at the things that God had done, the triumphs that had taken place, the, the victories that had taken place. And they're crying out, please, God, do that again. Save us like that again. But Jesus is about to reveal that that's not what his kingship looks like. That's not how the suffering servant is going to rule and reign. And Jesus didn't respond as they thought he ought. <laughs> they thought he, he would just call down a legion of angels. He said, I can do that, but I won't. Don't you think I could do this? Don't you think I could call down all of heaven's resource and just burn this place up? But that's not what he did. That's not what took place. In fact, Jesus is about to demonstrate that if anyone wants to follow him, it comes at a cost. And I want to invite each of us to ask this question as we walk through Passion Week to the cross. How do I view Jesus and my walk of discipleship? How do I see him? How do I treat him? How do I behave in my language, in my praise, in my worship, in my prayers? And what do, I think, what do I think it means to be a disciple of Christ? So why has it been called Passion Week? I believe Hebrews 12 gives us a really good clue into this one. And it sets a challenge for anyone, any one of us, who'd want to live a life that follows Jesus. I love what the writer in Hebrews says, Hebrews 12. Therefore, so this is following on from the considered the faith chapter, speaking of all these men and women who did incredible things for God and also lost their lives along the way and didn't get everything they thought they were going to get. 
So therefore, based on this, of lives that have been filled with faith, with hope and expectation, and sometimes fell short of the expectation. Therefore, we also, that means we're included. Let's include ourselves in that list, says the writer of Hebrews. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Let me say that again. The joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down. He sat down. Jesus has sat down having endured the cross at the right hand of the throne of God. He's not walking. He's not running. He's not fighting. He is sitting down because he is the rightful king. That is worth celebrating. Let's cry Hosanna for that one. (laughs) What have I said that each of us could experience deep, real, and rich joy in our discipleship, regardless of how our day is going. (laughs) Who is filled with the joy of the Lord in this place? Who is filled with the joy of the Lord? That joy is your strength. I pray that it would be. Jesus' joy, what was his joy? The joy that was set before him was us. It was you, it was me, it was every lost soul that would come into righteousness through the sacrifice on the cross. That was the joy set before him. Would we experience that same joy for those set before us, for the one that is lost on our street, for the one in our workplace that is hassling us and persecuting us, for the joy set before me, for that person, I would also endure the cross. I believe this passage, we see three keys of being a follower of Jesus. And if we choose to do this, I believe we will grow as disciples of Christ and we will experience the fullness of joy. There are not many joyful people out there. Can I be perfectly honest? There are a lot of people that are lacking the joy of the Lord. There is pain, there is hurt, and it is taking them down rather than pushing them forward into this discipleship journey. Here's the first instruction. Lay down our weight and our sin. That's the first thing we can do. Jesus has done so much and he has done everything, but these are the things we can do in order to endure the cross. Lay down our weight and our sin. It says, let us lay down, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. I always used to read that as lay lay aside the sin. It's not just the sin. It's the weight and the sin. Do you know sometimes the weight is not sin? The weight is anxious thoughts. The weight is my past that has been forgiven. It's the pain that I've felt and I'm holding that today. That's a weight that I can still carry on my shoulders that Jesus is saying, lay it down, lay down that weight and the sin that so easily entangles us. Now, back in the days when they would run their races in the Olympics, in the games, they would run naked. 
Now, I'm not suggesting that. I'm thankful for modern sportswear. I'm glad that when I run out to play football, they don't ask me to do it naked, right? I'm thankful that there are sports uniforms. But can I tell you, when I go and play a game of football, I also don't bring a backpack with my towel, a change of clothes, my lunch, maybe my dinner, and a drink bottle so that I'm you know, equipped for everything I need in the day. I am stripped back to everything. I, I take off everything I don't need so that I can be focused on the task. And I think we can have our past and our future and all of these things in our mind and our head and our heart. And God is saying, just lay that down. Lay that down because it's getting tangled up in the call that I've got for you. Don't take the race tomorrow into too much consideration when you could be running today. But then he speaks of the sin. We do need to identify and recognize that there is sin that entangles us. I believe that Jesus set his face like flint. The Bible says he set his face like flint as he headed towards Jerusalem. It was like he was determined, determined to go. Why? Because Jesus knew that this issue of sin could not be solved by humans. We could not do what it took to deal with sin. Only Jesus going to the cross, dying a death as the perfect sacrifice. That was the only way that we could have salvation. For that joy, Jesus endured the cross. Come on, let's give Jesus a praise break right now. You know, in laying down, we deny ourselves. In laying down, we, we, it's no longer about me. It's about Jesus. I'm now in your righteousness. You are in me and I am in you. He who was without sin became sin to fulfill the righteousness of Christ. How often do we do it? We just do it once, right? Lay down sin just once, give our life to Jesus, everything be fine. No issue with sin again? No. Can I be honest with you? It's daily. It's probably a few times a day. <laughs> Some of you go, oh, just once? <laughs> it's probably multiple times in a day where we make the decision, I will not take that thought and do something with it. Or even if I've taken that thought and I've done something with it, I will say, Jesus, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I lay it down again today. It's daily choosing to deny ourselves on Wednesday, we start a new round of freedom in Christ. If you have not done that course, can I encourage you to do it? Starting here, 7 o'clock up in the growth track room, there are people. How many people have actually done that or are in the middle of doing it? Give us a wave. All right, there's a number of people out there. All right, this is one of the greatest courses we have come across for people to walk not just once in freedom, but to walk daily with the Word of God to lead and guide people daily in freedom. And there are people that they give them the yeah, 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 because they are living it now. They are living in freedom where in the past that was holding them back. They are now walking with freedom because of the Word of God is setting them free. If that's not a good enough promotion for the course, then uh, we'll, we'll give it a shot later when Jaden gets up. Seven o'clock this Wednesday up in the growth, growth track room. You should do it. 
master. No, still your choice. And here's the promise we have. This is what I love. 1 John 1 9. This is why we're good for each other. This is why you need to be a part of a small group. This is why you need to, if you're not connected with somebody, go see Amy in the foyer afterwards. Amy Bushman. Give us a wave, Amy. Stand up. Give us a wave. This is Amy Bushman. She's leading our small groups. She's amazing. Go and talk to her about getting involved in a group. Get involved in a group. Because here's why. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. There is something about confessing my stuff to somebody else. I'm not saying we confess it to everybody. But find a close friend. Find a group. Find your group that will walk with you. Keep you real and honest. If we confess, if we lay it down, Jesus is faithful. He will purify us. Maybe that's a call for someone today. In a moment, I'm going to give an opportunity for, for people to respond to Christ. To say, I need, I, just, I choose, I desire for you to be Lord, be King of my life. Would you take that decision today? The second thing we see as a team come this morning is we see the call to run the race. To run the race. We lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily entangles us and we, we run the race. Now, it says, in, it says, let us in, run with endurance the race that is set before us. Did you know there's some crazy people in our midst? True. These are people that run for fun. Like, like they run for pleasure. So they, 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 like, they put their running shoes on and they put their gear on and they just run for fun. I know some of you are laughing and go, really? Do they? Yeah, they do. They do. We've got one guy who's running the length of New Zealand right now, Justin Hill. He's a legend, by the way. <laughs> crazy people. But actually, it's not so crazy because we're all called to run. We've all got a race. Some of you are going, oh, I don't think my race is to run the full length of New Zealand. You're probably not. But your race is your race. The discipline God's called you to, to compete in is your race. Can I encourage you? Don't run someone else's race. <laughs> Stay in your lane. Exactly. Run the race that God's asked you to run. But we've got to run it. Sadly, there are schools of thoughts that would say salvation means we automatically rule and reign. Give your life to Christ. Life is perfect. No more problems. <laughs> That's not the gospel. Sorry. If you signed up for that, you probably found out already that's not the reality. Real faith is not a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. It's definitely gold. But guess what? We're the gold. Do you know what they do with gold? They stick it in a pot and heat it up really hot. All the impurity gets raised to the surface and skimmed off. They keep doing that. They keep refining that gold until the master can look in there and go, hey, there I am. That's what God wants to do in me. It's painful. It hurts. But it's so good because I become more and more like Jesus every time I go through that trial and that challenge and God refines me. Real faith is not about fluffy good feelings. We live in a world where it's all about my feelings. Don't hurt my feelings. I'll cancel you. 
Come on. It's a faith walk. It's a faith walk that doesn't focus on the seen, it sees the unseen. It focuses on the unseen. It's a, I'm finishing that race no matter what kind of face. You seen that, right? You seen that look? You seen those marathon runners? It's like a kilometer go. I mean, their whole body is in pain, and yet the smile on their face is like, yes, I've run my race. Come on, that's how I want to go into the grave. I heard someone say, I want to do it like a, like a handbrake slide into the grave. Just want to hit it that hard. Boom. Race done. Job done. But it might come at a cost. It's going to hurt a little, but that's okay. Friends, does our joy endure like Jesus while we serve and suffer as much as when we rule and reign? Or is my joy dependent on how things are going? It's not easy. It's not, a, not an easy sermon to hear, is it? It's like a little bit more positivity, Mike. What more do you need other than Jesus? What? I can't offer you better than that. Why would we want more than that? Why would we think that anything else in this world would be better than Jesus? You want to know whether you got a real discipleship taking place? When things are tough, you go, praise the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Praise be to the one who comes in the name of the Lord. You know, we misunderstand the gospel if we believe that as Christians we escape pain and trial. You just talk to the martyrs when you get to heaven. We gave our lives for the cross. Yes, we have a glorious inheritance and it's coming and it will be amazing. We might even see some incredible things take place in this lifetime too and I pray and I hope you do. But ours is also a walk that is the same as Jesus. In fact, this is what he said. If anyone desires to come after me, Matthew 16, let him deny himself. If you want to make it, you know, gender, we could say let her deny herself also, just to bring us all into, into that. And take up his cross and follow me. The Christian life is about service, love, preferring others, giving, laying down our lives, being okay with being broken. I've watched over the last eight to ten weeks, there are more and more broken people. They were always broken. Now they just don't care what anybody thinks. The brokenness is just coming out on a Sunday and it's like, yes, come and be real. Come and bring your hurt. Come and bring your pain. We're not upset at that. In fact, that is a great time for other broken people to get around side and say, come on, let me pray with you. To quote Shannon Toki, who's doing an internship with us, he says, over the last eight weeks, God has gracefully broken me. <laughs> I love that. Break us apart. For some of us, we've got to get put back on the, the potter's wheel and God's going to shape us and mold us again. The clay's still good. Still good things that God wants to do. We need friends. We need each other. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Do you have a friend, a brother? that is there for you when things are not good? 
Do you have those people in your world? Or would you find yourself alarmingly alone in those moments? I pray that you have a friend and a brother, a sister that would stand with you. And lastly, we look to Jesus. We lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily entangles. We run the race with endurance. And then lastly, we look to Jesus. There are too many distractions in our world. So many things, even good things, that just distract us. Friends, when I gave my life to Christ as a child, 40 plus years ago, I'm 45 now. Let's call it halfway. Man, if I can get to 90, I'll be stoked. Joy looks different now at 45 than it did at three. But joy gets deeper and deeper and deeper if we go on that journey. Or, I hate to say it goes the other way too. Life gets more and more painful if we don't, for the joy set before us, endure the cross that Christ has asked us to carry. Because the pain will hurt because you think that you deserve more. And there's an entitlement that we think we have. But what if for the joy set before us, we would endure our cross so that one, just one, who is destined to an eternity without Jesus would receive Him. Friends, during Passion Week, would you count the cost again? Would you say to Jesus, I'm going to lay down the weight and the sin that entangles me. I'm going to get back in the race. I really felt this week that there's some people, you got, you got to about the, I don't know, 26 kilometer mark in the race. You got halfway. You got an injury. I hate to say it, even the church let you down. We failed you. We put expectations on you that should have never been on you. And you, you stepped out of the race. Fair enough. Don't blame you. Because when you're hurt, you don't want to carry on. I believe God's grace is on this season for people to just simply get back in the race. And if it's just a walk for now, that's okay. But would you go back to running the race again? And then we fix our eyes on Jesus. We don't look to the left or to the right. Jesus, my goal, my pursuit, because He and He alone is all that will satisfy me. So my encouragement for all of us today, what is it? What is the weight or the sin that you might need to lay down in Passion Week? What's the race that God's called you to run? Have you stepped out of the race? Is it time to say, God, I want to run again? Maybe trust someone again. Allow someone back in your world, reach out and say, you know what, I, I've been doing it solo. I, I need a friend. I need to be a part of a group in this next season. And then together, we, we look to Jesus. We set our eyes and our praise and our worship and our adoration and our focus is on Him. The author 
and the perfecter of our faith who is sitting down <laughs> at the right hand of God. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Your friends today, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, if you've never said, Jesus, I, I, I declare you are the Lord of my life. I need you to take my sin that separates me from relationship with you and, and I give myself fully to you. If that's you today, it would be my honor to pray a prayer with you right now. If you've been running the race and you stopped, then God's saying it's time to run again. Might be some conversations that need to be had. It might even be coming to me and say, hey, this is what happened. Let's have those conversations. Let's get you back in the race again. If that applies to you as I pray this prayer, would you pray a prayer of faith, not based on your feelings, but a prayer of faith that says, Jesus, I believe you are who you said you are. I believe you died on the cross so that my sins could be forgiven, so that I could walk in righteousness that is in and through you alone. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you that you endured the cross so that my sins would not be counted against me. I turn from my old way of living. I choose to live my life for you. I receive your grace and your forgiveness and your gift of eternal life. I lay down my weight in the sin. I choose to run the race. And Jesus, from now on, I will look to you. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, saying yes to Jesus, or you said today, I'm getting back in the race. I've been out of the race. Jesus is calling me to step again. On the count of three, would you raise your hand up nice and high so I can see it? Someone's going to spot your hand and connect with you afterwards. But would you acknowledge, yes, that's me. I made that decision today. One, two, three, right across this place. If you prayed that prayer, yes, thank you. In the middle there, amazing. Anyone else up the back? Praise God. Come on, anyone else today? You can put your hand down. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Church, would you stand? I think we've just got to sing that chorus, Hosanna. Can we sing it <laughs> with a new perspective of what you're singing? A fresh perspective? Let's sing. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna.
you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.